any more attention to it. Do I? <laughs> oh, I have Delta Dental. I, I do too. Wait, do I? No, I used I, to I have need, Delta Dental. I need to determine if IMED Vision Insurance is better than my current Vision Insurance because my current Vision Insurance sucks. Yeah, you could get it for like sixteen dollars a year plus whatever the insurance costs if you become a USA USA AARP member. Four thirty eight per month. And I'm happy to tell you guys that you can become a member today. Dude, I've got enough like old people problems with my body that I feel like this is worth it. And I, f- I mean, I understand that the people in this uh, advertisement appear to be over the age of 50. But yeah, while AARP is dedicated to people over 50, there is no minimum age to join. All right. So, um, and the reason I looked this up is because welcome to episode 60 <laughs> yeah, of Off the Cross. I knew that was coming. Okay. And I was wondering, like, what's the AARPH? Have we missed it? Is it 55? It's, we could have signed up with our first episode. Why were you, oh, that with the, no, I see. Yeah. What's the Medicare age? Oh, that's a good question. I, lower it. I think it's 60. Yeah. Didn't they just lower it to 65? 56. They should lower it to 50. Oh, wait, wait. Well, they should really. No, 65. 56 is how long the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services has been around. Oh, yeah. Which is not what I was looking for when I searched Medicare age Google. I think. Who I know is listening. Yeah. So I think like Hillary Clinton had said that we should lower it to 55. And I think Joe Biden's is 60 or maybe it's 50, 50 and 55. I don't know. In any case, healthcare is a joke in this country. I just need to quickly mention, I mean, Normally, I wouldn't do this, but I'm just annoyed about insurance this week. I had um, I had my doctor, who I can't see anymore because she's out of network for me again for like the third different time. Ugh. Um, but anyway, so I have the specialist that I that I see for some of my old people body problems. Um, and she she's out of network for me, but I still talk to her. I sometimes we text, but we talk also through the University of Utah's like my chart thing or whatever so she got me a new prescription for something the other day and uh it was called into a pharmacy by my house and then i got a notification that said like please give us a call i was like okay so i gave them a call and they're like hey so your insurance doesn't want to pay for it and i was like okay they they usually pay for this like it's usually I mean, I still, it's, it's still expensive for me, but I'm like, they still pay for part of it. And I'm like, why? And they just said, I don't know. They just said they don't want to pay for it anymore. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so then they're like, we told your doctor. And so now it's apparently on my doctor to call the insurance company and make a case as to why I need this medication, which is just oh boy. so funny and such a horrendous use of time for everyone involved. But anyway, yeah. that's um, pre-social hour. I'm really trying to figure out if I if I can submit or if if I med if there's a specific eye doctor who I also see or um who's the guy that that like prescribes you um ophthalmologist is that who prescribes like contacts and optometrist optometrist pretty sure I think an ophthalmologist is somebody that like studies the eye rather than like is a doctor of the eye in any case he is out of my. Uh, network now again so my contacts are that i'm supposed to get like next week are like way more um expensive so i uh and when i was on different insurance they were like free so now i'm gonna see if i can 
do AARP, <laughs> get on IMED and not pay like $400 for my specialized contacts next week. Okay. If this, if this works out, because this is going to be the most helpful the podcast. Yeah. Wow. I'm, I'm wow. If this does, I wonder, yeah, I wonder what happens. So heartwarming. Discover all your benefits. Did you, I'm, wow. I had to figure not out. Not only anyway. is Off the Crossbar a podcast where we get to rant and rave about Real Salt Lake, but we also provide helpful life tips. This is true. An optometrist is an eye care professional who provides primary vision care, ranging from blah, 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 blah. An optometrist is not a medical doctor. An ophthalmologist is a medical doctor who specializes in eye and vision care. Mm. So I we think the difference is about seven years of school. Yeah, that sounds exhausting. Other than that, they sound like the same thing. the eye your entire life? I'm glad someone does. Kind of cool. Yeah, <laughs> somebody needs to. Gross, but... Yeah. Matt, do you have corrective? Do you need corrective thing? Do you have eye problems? <laughs> no. Um, at some point, I'm going to need probably uh, distance. But ah, well, I mean, like it's still really good. I just can't make out things like make out text a hundred feet away. Well, then, it's small. I don't know. I was, I was hoping we were all we we could be a 100% visually impaired pod, but I guess not. No, we've got we're uh, what 66% visually impaired, 66% celiac disease. That's right. 66% that one thing both of you guys have. Why? Why is he? I, I don't feel like what AARP is. is way cheap, but maybe. Yeah, it is oh, way cheap. It's like sixteen dollars a year, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Twelve dollars for the You're, first year, auto renew yep. to oh, where to go. Yeah, this is like pennies a day. Yeah, I gotta see what's going on yeah. with this iMed situation. I'm trying to figure oh, out if like I can a uh, one Starbucks drink. Yeah. Learn one how coffee. to maintain one avocado toast. Hearing health <laughs> and get advice for living well with hearing loss. That's mine. That's for me. Do you think it would be a problem if there was a like an influx of millennials into AARP? <laughs> what, what do you think problem? they'd do? Yeah. I mean, worst case, they would be like, okay, guys, you got to be 50 now. Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea like what AARP like actually provides except for, I mean, it seems like it's like AAA. Like, it's just like, you're a member, you qualify for some discounts. Yeah. I don't know what like um, service they provide except for just being basically a coupon book. Yeah, that's kind of what it is. I'm gonna ask my um contact guy what if if he recommends I do this. <laughs> what joins AARP? I <laughs> yeah, I'm really curious <laughs> because he's like we've got a good rapport going. Um he like already hooks me up a little bit because he feels bad about how much I have to pay him because he's out of network for me, but um yeah. Okay, so okay. Real, real quick, can we Oh, after after you have got one. No, I think this is this is you. This is a question for you, Matt. Oh. We've been talking about this now for seven and a half minutes. Why <laughs> yeah. did you send us a link to because AARP? We're episode sixty and he's trying to determine if we had reached the AARP age oh, of episode. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, I'm there. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty um, good. I will I will say this to bring us back into Real Salt Lake. One of the things you can get a discount in at uh, 10% off every day, 10% on your check every time you go. Corner Bakery Cafe. Really? Uh, notably, 
a bunch of corner bakery cafes in Utah are owned and operated by Deloitte Hansen. So, oh, nice. And, uh, and we used to get free sandwiches when we scored a goal or yeah, one or was, something like that. I used to get free breakfast. Back when I was eating bad stuff for my body, I was getting like free breakfast sandwiches every Sunday morning. That was also back when RSL was really good. So I don't know if it was when we were winning or if we were just scoring and I would get a get a free a free Sammy. It was great. Mm. Those were the days. Wow. The glory days, days of the $5 haircut. Yeah. Ne- never worth it, though. <laughs> no, probably not. So social hour. Um, who wants to start? You. You're starting. Okay. Let's go. That's right. All right. We'll, we'll speed up, speed up, speed up. Um, <laughs> this last weekend, I went to uh, a good a good buddy of mine has been um, telling me to come up to his cabin for a while, and I had never done it for some reason. This was the first time I did, and it was, um, let's see, Carly and I, we drove up uh, Thursday, uh, Friday morning, and um, it's in, uh, it's in Idaho, just east of, or just west of... Um, Alpine, Wyoming by the Palisades Reservoir. And it's very, very, very beautiful up there. Um, just had exceptional like fall time weather at the this end of summer that we're we're coming to. Nice, like um like not annoying rainstorms, really beautiful clouds on the mountains, like some fog and just very, very lovely. You know, it's only an hour from Jackson, so drove into Jackson on Friday and also Saturday with some more friends that came up and then yeah just had an extremely lovely weekend in the mountains doing mountainous stuff and uh yeah pretty pretty dang good no complaints watched the RSL game most of the RSL game on uh Saturday night I I guess uh on my limited service up there using my friend's hotspot and uh yeah not bad can't can't complain pretty nice jack sorry cool. you watched the game though yeah i wasn't like paying like the most attention to it so i okay. am going to be speaking with a lot of authority on it though today so perfect um, i should hope so but yeah it was good it was uh oh i just saw the record scratch moment on the document whoops um anyway pretty cool um we'll get to it uh oh, Trevor, okay. how about you go next um, finally got, this will be maybe of interest to Matt, probably of interest to you, um, Kyle, but I got a, uh, I ordered a board game and it's not really a board game, but it's, it's a what board game, game that comes in a box. It's called match five trivia. I don't know why it's called trivia because it, it's not a trivia game. Like at okay. all. if you're thinking ah. like trivial pursuit, it's not that at all. I'm all not, it is, but... it's like the easiest game in the world to play. Um, but they give you cards and it's like name five something something like name five of the greatest baseball pitchers of all time or name five words that, that you trivia. use instead of hello or name five but it's not like you're not looking for the correct answers you have like the person name that's five kinds of balls name five kinds of mexican food name five yeah. alternate words for poop name all five of things these- that fly our options you have somebody yes, that's like <laughs> you have somebody that's like the leader right and they yeah. have to name their five and then everybody else names five yeah. things and you get points if you match whoever's like the leader right like the the host or whatever so you're trying uh, to guess yeah. what they're Wait, gonna do, put do, down do you write them down yeah you write them down got it just keep track of it and then no, yeah that's, that's like a family feud kind that's kind like of. uh that's like the family feud part where they do the uh, name. That's the 
the part where they're like one on one or whatever. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah. I mean, kind oh. of. The, you know what? Remi- you know what that reminds me of? Halftime of the jazz game once they did a, or maybe it was like one of those like in between quarters. They did a trivia. They did that that thing like name whatever. The, they had two people. One person had headphones on. The other person didn't. And then they switched or whatever to see how many people they could name. The question yeah. was, name as many jazz players as you can. This is at a Utah jazz game. They said, name as many current or former jazz players as you can. The guy who won named three. The other person named two. They couldn't get kidding like, me? the biggest choke of all time. It was like the guy that named two had John Stockton and Donovan Mitchell. And he could not name a single other one in like 30 seconds. And the whole crowd, I have not seen... More people ready to do a, a January sixth riot, but in Energy <laughs> Solutions Vivint Smart Home Arena, people were just ready to storm the court and just take it over because people were just so mad that this guy could not name yeah. well I more than be. two jazz players. And the guy named three and one. That's anyway. So <laughs> this game sounds great. It's <laughs> it's a lot of fun because yeah, like I said, the whole point of it is like you're not trying to get the correct answers. There's a lot of these that are like super subjective. And so there's not like right and wrong you have answers. To, like know you're the just, person who's yeah. the leader. So you try to guess what they're saying. So you exactly. like if if somebody knew me and the word that can't or in the thing came up that was um, you know, uh, the name, name, the five best stand-up comedians of all time, you know, that would be, might be very different than someone who is, you know, a big Dane cook guy, you know, that type of yeah. thing. So. But the other part of it that's kind of fun is that like, you might get like name the five best female tennis players or something, and you might not know anything like any female tennis players. So you just like name whoever you can think of, whether they're good or bad. Like it doesn't, you know what I mean? It so you're just trying to match. Really fun. It's a lot of fun. I played it with my. We gave it a test drive with my sister and her husband. And I might, I might buy this, like, for do it. It's fun. You can. We you only need three people, but you can do it with as many as you want. Um, we were planning on playing it for like thirty minutes, forty five minutes, just to like test drive it. We played it for like two and a half hours. It was like midnight thirty when we realized what time it was and stopped. It. Wow, I love that. Absolutely, that's blast. really, that's that's really nice. Dude, that rules. That game looks great. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I'm like, it's no, really I'm like look at this. It's got five, ooh, match five trivia. Yeah. All yeah, right. It's just I've, uh, the item dimensions. You got seven point two five times five point five times one point seven five inches. So, in case you're wondering, that's the one. Yeah, that's pocket. that's the one you want to get. Is, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty cool. All right, that's good. No, but other other than that, um, I did one other kind of funny thing. So. I went to go book a tattoo appointment like a month ago, month and a half ago. And of course my artist is booked out to like October. It's fine. It's whatever. Um, I was planning on getting two different tattoos. Um, and I wanted to get one from somebody else at the shop. So I just booked them like on the same week, but for different people. And one of the ones that I wanted to get was it's, uh, another one for my daughter. It's, um, from the book, make way for ducklings. I don't know if you guys ever read it. But we read it to her a whole bunch when she was a kid. It's a really great book. But anyway, it won like the cattle cattle cot award, the illustrated. Yeah, that one, the illustration yeah. award. Um, but anyway, oh yeah, I know this book. Yeah, it's a great book. Um, and it's got really good pictures. And like duckling was like pet name for our kid when they were like a baby, right? So yeah. we were gonna when we were still married, we both decided like, let's get matching tattoo. And it would be one of these ducklings from this book. 
and that'd be great. And then we just never did it. We got divorced, but it was always something that like I wanted to do anyway. So I went and booked the appointment to go do it. And then I told my ex about it and she like put her foot down and was like, we're not getting matching tattoos anymore. And I'm definitely getting that tattoo. So you can't get that tattoo. (laughs) So we had a little bit of an argument, but I'd already put down like the deposit that's non-refundable and like booked the appointment and everything. Did and you get the off off the crossbar logo instead? Is that where the story ends up? No. So the way it ends up, <laughs> no. The way the story ends up is I basically just like went to my artist and was like, "Can we do the same tattoo, but just like move it to my ex so that she can get the tattoo?" So I oh. ended up just paying for a tattoo for my ex in um, oh. two months. So now she's going to get the tattoo instead of me. Well, that's very magnanimous of you, I guess. <laughs> Deposits yeah. are non-refundable, so like, what are you gonna do? I don't yeah, have any other ideas uh, for tattoos. <laughs> yeah, that's that is very. Did you say magnanimous? Matt did. I did. I like that word. Yeah, that's that's uh that's what, nice. What if you you know those hearts that say mom? Yep. What if you got one that said Matt plus Kyle? <laughs> oh, I could do that. That'd be, that'd be yeah, awesome. I'd, well, you should probably include your name too, Matt plus Kyle plus Trevor. In a heart with an arrow going through it. Yeah. No, like the full on my on my delt, this part of my arm. What is that? Bit, upper part of arm. Yeah. Delt? Top of the forearm. <laughs> it's a deltoid. That's your muscle right there. Yeah, probably. No, like that's the muscle. I'm telling you. All right. I just don't know if you call this part of the arm the deltoid or the delt as well. Or if that's just like, mm. I don't know. I bet it's, I think it's called that because it's shaped like a triangle. That's right. I think that's exactly right. Call the, the, this that's is, why this they call it the, yeah, the Bermuda Triangle of the uh, upper arm area. Because your gaze just gets lost in lost. the yeah. delt. Yeah. The Bermuda delt. Matt, what uh, what's going on with you? I'm trying to think if I have like anything of note. Oh, we used um, the, we used the uh, squash and zucchini that you gave us for a very, oh, nice, what did uh, very nice pasta. So it was it was delightful. Carly's been making this very good pasta lately with like this incredible sauce, which should be replicated at some point when we are all together. But yeah. Yeah. Big win. I guess I do have one thing. Um, Yesterday I made jollof rice, which is a delicious Nigerian rice dish. Um, Also made in Ghana, but it's slightly different. I've never tried it made in that style. It's really good. And I want to make it again. Yeah, I thought really yummy. I thought it was pronounced. Well, how'd you say it? Jollof. Yeah, you said Jollof. I thought it was pronounced Jollof. Oh no! Where's Where's Matt's dad when we need him? Did he take uh, Nigerian Duolingo as well? (laughs) He's been texting me about the pod frequently now. So wait, did you say this rice is Nigerian? Yeah, Uh, Nigerian or it's like like West African. I think it's kind of a. Yeah, different varieties, but it's kind of all over the place. Matt, I'm sending a picture uh, to the Slack, Kyle, oh, yeah. if you care to uh, as Whoa. well. So Look those cukes, those are zucchini that my sister grew. I don't know if you guys wait. Are those zucchini the little ones? No, the big ones are zucchini. Oh, okay. Those are legitimately like two and a half feet long. I just want to make it clear. Oh, boy. That looks... These could feed like eight people. Wait, so what are the small yeah. green ones? Ah, uh, those have got to be cucumbers. That's right. So, uh, those yeah. zucchini are huge. Are oh no, they're boys. like absolutely massive. So, if you guys want some zucchini, 
I, zucchini is like my favorite squash. I think I have a hook up my ears. I have so much. I love zucchini. It's great. Grilled zucchini too. Ooh. Anyway, wow. I did use tomatoes from the garden in that rice. So oh, that's and then I think this delightful. week I'm going to make a, a Ukrainian like rice pilaf dish called uh, plov. I have a bunch of Ukrainian coworkers, and one of them is talking about having just made it on an open fire. I'm oh. probably not going to do the open fire thing, but like, I'm excited to try another like rice pilaf type dish. I have seen this made on some show, some food cooking show. Somebody went to Ukraine and showed them how to make it. It looks delicious. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and Trevor, you went to Lan Natai today. I oh, did. This is big. Oh, yeah. Man. I love Lan Na. We love Lan Na over here. I uh, do as well. It turns out it was really, really good. good. <laughs> what did you get? Um, I got the, it was the combo with the yellow chicken. And I'm going to say this wrong because I don't actually remember what it is. Uh, Masaman pork rib. The mas- nah, you yeah. nailed it. Nice. Is that what it is? Yeah, their Masaman yeah. is delicious. There's a lot of M's and a lot of S's. But yeah, yeah it's no, awesome. it was all very good. Big fan. Yeah, it's uh, fantastic. They They don't sponsor us. I wouldn't mm-hmm. want them to pay us. I wouldn't want because them we'll do either. it for free. Um, like, they're, oh, they're great. Yeah. Prices are really, really favorable too. Oh yeah, yeah it's nice. Oh, you're concerned about uh, spending more than ten bucks on lunch. Like yeah. if you get a drink, you'll spend about ten bucks. Yeah, leave a tip. Always leave a tip. I think I spent like all, almost but thirteen. Also pay your workers fair wages, but they own the place, so yeah. I don't know. It was twelve and change, and that was with like a two and a half dollar tip. So yeah, you're exactly right. Nice. Yeah. Um, the other briefly, I watched the new hbo series called the uh, white lotus and oh. um i really liked it actually i thought it was going to be bad and it wasn't bad but it, it's kind of excruciating to watch though so I don't recommend it for people who don't like things that are excruciating to watch but it's really Is good it okay excruciating like like the, makes you hate the character because like... the characters are like the worst people ever oh okay it's about this like resort in hawaii and it's like the, the, the main oh, characters. Yeah, this, okay. The main characters the are like people that it. are coming to the resort. So it's like the types of people who come to like incredibly like wealthy people coming to like an inclusive resort and their behavior. Essentially, it's 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 very it's very good. Anyway, um, speaking of like really painful comedy, I don't know if it's really painful, but I've just been loving rewatching Kirby Enthusiasm. Oh, it's so good! Just one of my favorite shows. I've been meaning to 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 watch it through again. Um, yeah, probably been a decade since I've watched it through, and it's been yeah, every I watched bit it. as good as I remember. It's it's yeah, it's delightful. Um, should we talk news? RSL news. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, so first up, we've got Justin Miram was called up to the. Iraq national team for qualifiers, right? World Cup uh, qualifiers, yeah. Yeah, it says that in the document. Yeah, it does. I hope you guys <laughs> can hear is. me typing. Yeah, we can. Oh. Matt is editing the document as we speak because there was a moment where it didn't say national team for World <laughs> Cup qualifiers. <laughs> but now it says it. It does yep. say it. Um, yeah, whenever so Matt clicks cool. on it, it brings up a cursor that says Matthew Montgomery and then it starts typing. So yeah, we all yeah. know I've been found out. 
it just, yeah, you just really have to sometimes. Um, yeah, so that that's cool. I don't know what their chances are of qualification. I don't know what it looks like qualifying from, like, I don't, I have no idea. Are they part of, uh, what confederation is Iraq part of? Asia, the AFC. Okay. Afcon, right? How many no, bi- Afcon is Africa, right? Yeah, Afcon, Afcon, Afcon is Africa. Africa. I think Asia is just simply AFC. Yeah, yeah. How many bids do they get into uh like, us, I think it's... I'm doing this off memory when I could just like Google this stuff. I think it's seven and a half or five and a half. Wait, wait. doesn't CONCACAF only get four? No, we get four and a half. No, didn't they just recently change it? Hang what on. Do we we have five now? Let's find out. Okay, AFC. Second round. Asia gets four and a half plus H. I don't know what H means here. <laughs> um, Where are you seeing this? Wikipedia. Never mind. Oh, I'm... H denotes an automatic spot for the host. So it's. Oh, yeah. Oh, they get Qatar. Four and a half plus Qatar. Um, okay. Europe gets 13. Africa gets five. Oceania gets half. Uh, CONCACAF gets three and a half. South America gets four and a half. We only get three and a half. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that the last World Cup that we played in, it was United States, Costa Rica, Mexico, and Honduras, right? Honduras was the half. That sounds all right. Yeah. I think that was right. Oh, man. That's, that's really not a Wait, lot of the one, spots. The last one that we played in? Yeah. Cause we did not go to the last World Cup. <laughs> No, I know, but I'm just realizing what that means. The last one we played in was <laughs> nearly darn near. <laughs> yeah, oh, it was a long time ago. That sucks. <laughs> I, I mean, That's here's so the funny. thing: is like obviously missing the World Cup last time was a disaster, but Italy also missed that World Cup, and they're like amazing now. So, well, I mean, on the end of the world. <laughs> Okay, if we're gonna, never mind. I'm not gonna what go I'm saying is, thing. we're equally as good as Italy is right now, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. We've also gone undefeated in the last, I think, 23 games that we played. No, it's like 40 now. <laughs> it's some insane number. I'm pretty sure it's 39. We um, also have uh, the equivalent of Roberto Mancini as our coach, so we do. we're exactly the same. Okay, Roberto Mancini doesn't huh. wear Jordans like Greg Berhalter does. So you tell me. Who the better coaches? Although, <laughs> Waki on Twitter did post an, a very good uh, recent analysis video. Um, something that we should all be pretty concerned about with the upcoming qualifiers is that Greg Berhalter continues to do his uh, one-handed throw bounce pass of the ball to whoever's throwing the ball in on his side when he receives the ball. Look, it's here's kind the of thing. a problem. It's really I don't think Waki considers this. <laughs> This whole thing is because we're we raise multi-sport athletes. So I'm sure that Greg Berhalter just played basketball growing up, and that's how he knows how to pass. He throws their fu- bad passes. They're, that's his fundamentals aren't bounce. great. No, but that's because he stopped playing two, high school. He stopped playing basketball pass. in high school. Yeah, well then he should know how to two-hand bounce pass or just why are you trying to bounce past a soccer ball on on grass, my man? <laughs> it needs to stop. Anyway, yeah, just just kick it at him as hard as he can. Yeah, that's he does. Much he doesn't want to scuff his Jordans. That's what I'm saying. Like yeah, he's really trying really not to. It really is because of his sneakers. Mm. I'm pretty sure he doesn't kick the ball. But anyway, it's pretty amazing for a national team soccer coach. Yeah, 
it's a uh, world. It's pretty, what a world. pretty cool. But anyway, so congrats to Justin Miram. I don't know. Has he been consistently called up by them for the last like a couple of years or a few I years? I don't know if it's consistent is the word, but he's definitely like been called up. I think he's got like 30 yeah. or 40 caps by this point. Yeah. Let's see if we look at as national team. Uh, oh, wow. He has 10 appearances in World Cup qualification, three nice. goals, 22 overall, four goals, one goal in a friendly. Um, let's see when he was last called up. Do, do, do. First time was in 2015. Last time was in 2019. Cool. October 2019. So. Good for him. Yeah, it no, certainly makes sense that he wouldn't be called up in uh, 2020. I don't. I don't think there's any controversy there. Yeah, looks like AFC is currently in the third round of qualifying. There are two groups of six, and the top three from each group. Oh no, the top two from each group qualify, and then the third place team in each group advances to the fourth round, which looks like it's just uh, one match. Knock off something like that. Iraq is oh wait, they haven't played any yet, so Iraq is listed as fourth, but that doesn't matter because nobody's played any games. Yeah. Well, um next item. That's great. The next item. Douglas Martinez getting loaned to San Diego Loyal. Where he'll play for one Landon Donovan. I wish there was a great acronym for not acronym, uh anagram for Landon Donovan that we could use. So But there's not, so Trevor, what's the deal here? Hang on. I'm seeing... I'm sorry. I'm still back on Iraq's World Cup qualification. <laughs> okay. They're in a group... Real quick. They're in a group with Iran, South yeah. Korea, United Arab Emirates, Syria, and Lebanon. And they've got to finish in the top two of that to qualify for the World Cup. I feel like they've got a pretty good chance. Oh, Just yeah, behind sure. South Korea, right? Yeah. I mean, like, I feel yeah. like South Korea is the obvious given... The yeah. other group has Japan and Australia and Saudi Arabia and China oh. and then yeah, Oman, be Oman kind of- and Vietnam. So that looks like the group of death. And this one looks like yeah. kind of the cakewalk group. <laughs> hmm. I don't know how good well, Iraq is versus I know they most recently I think they're most um, Justin Miram's last goal actually came against Syria. His last international goal. Um, hmm. in which Iraq, Iraq will beat Syria. So, yeah, uh, hopefully they get it. Hopefully they qualify. I want to see Justin Miram at the World Cup. That'd be sweet. That'd be dope. Yeah. Um, Even if he's no longer at Real Salt Lake, I think there's there's a lot of cool stuff with that. Yeah, absolutely. So, Douglas Martinez was loaned to San Diego Loyal. Yes. Um, a USL team that plays in the same league as the Monarchs. Yes. Second time we've done this, uh, of course, with Tate Schmidt going to Phoenix Rising. Yes. Why? I'm just agreeing with everything you've said. No, I, okay. So there's, are you you looking for a real answer? Yeah. Okay. I think it's just that, like, he's kind of run his course at RSL. Like, he's probably. This is his last year under contract with RSL, right? He might be good enough to play for RSL, but, like, only as, like, a bench player every now and then garbage minute substitution at this point yeah. like we've just got way too much talent up top for him to really make a big difference and i think with the monarchs 
he's kind of past the point of being like a player that we want to develop. So I feel like we're just playing other players at forward, younger players that have a better chance of developing, which I think is the right move. So, but you've got to give him playing time. You've got to get him like, he's good enough that he should be playing. I just don't think he really fits in the plans for RSL or the Monarchs anymore. So go to a team that we've got some kind of relationship with and let him play there for the rest of the year. Yeah. Uh, one inter- So there are a couple interesting things about this for me. One, uh, it does free up a, a roster spot. It's yes, possible it does. That, that that move may have already taken place and we just hadn't been told. It's so confusing and we're barely told anything anymore. Uh, we only find out when the news leaks publicly and then San Diego Lua posts photos of Douglas Martinez training, So, which means he was there when the announcement was made. Yeah, which, I mean, makes sense. At least uh, the day before, probably, at the very least. So, you know, that, so, that kind of continues a trend. But Let me ask you this question, Matt. Yes. Because I posted a tweet that was kind of a joke, um, and I think some people thought it was serious, but it, it was really just a joke, and it was based off of something you said like two or three months ago, I oh. think. Um, I put, The tweet was about how this Douglas Martinez move – is just to clear up a, a roster discrepancy that the league that the team has been trying to hide like all season. I mean, I think we talked about this either on the pot or off the pot. I don't remember what, but I remember that it came up that yeah. we had. I think it was about the time that Bobby Wood got signed, or maybe it was Menendez got signed. At that point, somebody did the math and said we've got thirty-two players on the roster. Um. <laughs> Oh no, it was on it was on Twitter because what it was was yeah. somebody said that the, somebody asked how the team is roster compliant with 32 players on the roster. And Dunny grabbed the tweet and was like, I promise you the team is roster compliant, offering no explanation and not actually answering the question. And that kind of sparked Certainly the, not his job either, right? No, it's like, not his job. And I'm not this isn't a that's, knock on that, Dunny. That's on the club. I'm just saying that that was inspired a conversation where we were like, are they rostered? How are they roster compliant? And it was about that time that Jason went on the IL, which is like an actual like roster designation. He wasn't just like listed on the injury report. He was like, yeah, put on the injury list, which opens up a roster spot for that time. And then he came off the roster list. And then I don't remember what it was, but shortly after that, there was some more kind of roster shenanigans. And now Douglas is being loaned out. So that's what the inspiration for the tweet was, was just the the conspiracy theory that this team isn't roster compliant, but they're making themselves roster compliant by putting people on an injury list and by now loaning out players to different teams because they need to have yep. an open roster spot or an international spot that yeah. they I'm don't just, actually I mean, have. I'm still confused about what's going on with Jason Ramirez. No idea. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. But I will say I the league website probably, gives us no clarity on this. This is yeah. this is what I'm saying. We did like the bare minimum amount of investigation and couldn't answer the questions with the information that we had. So short yeah. of like emailing the team and being like, "Can you explain this?" or just talking to somebody at the club and saying, "Can you explain this?" Which I'm I know that probably we're capable do of doing, but nobody's stepped forward and done it. But still, like, sounds the, like we've got a job for you, Trevor. This is the whole thing. Is it's just like all these moves are happening, and I feel like there's a different motive other than just simply like, "Oh yeah, Douglas needs playing time. Let's get him playing time." Yeah. Yep. Yep. 
I it feels kind of weird. There's it would be kind interesting of a to lot see of things that this what happens doing. now with Jason if he gets removed from the injured list. Um, yeah. MLS doesn't well, he, list doesn't have that list anywhere. So no, they don't. But that was the thing is he was only put on it for like the six games, and so he mm. came off of it. And again, I didn't look it up, so I don't remember what it was. But I feel like there was another move that the team did around that time. It'd be Chris Garcia being loaned out, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that's got yeah. Chris. That's probably what it was. And yes, now we're probably Douglas. compliant now. <laughs> yeah, but like Maybe I said, we it's just were. this is all part of the whole thing where like things are goofy, and the club is telling us one thing, but it's not always that one thing. We're seeing that with David Ochoa right now too. Yeah. We should like, briefly mention that. So we were we were specifically told that by the coach that he was expected to be back in the next week. Yeah, it was so a precautionary thing. He didn't actually like get injured here. in the game. Yeah. So after last episode, uh, my my words were put onto Twitter by a dear sweet listener, and there's nothing wrong with that. But some people took that like pretty seriously that I was like saying that David Ochoa is going to be imminently signed. Uh, it's like, like those people that take us seriously haven't listened to the podcast. That's true. Uh, <laughs> yeah. By a, by a league MX team. And I like, I was speculating it was in jest. I would love to see him at a, at an, at Chivas in particular. I think it'd be great. And then Tom at KSL was like, Hey, uh, there's no way he would ever sign for Liga MX. Why would you sell to Liga MX when you could sell him to <laughs> Europe for millions of dollars? And I was like, does Achoa just have like no say in this? Like he literally just wrote a player's tribune article talking about two things, wanting to play for the Mexican national team and wanting to play for Chivas and how his, those two things and his Mexican identity have like influenced each other. I was like, could you really not foresee a situation in which if the opportunity arises to play in Mexico, he might rather do that while his grandparents or while his father and maybe some, one of his grandparents is still alive to see that happen. Like that seems like a pretty like reasonable thing for a dude at that, that age to do. But yeah. apparently that was an absurd assertion. But anyway, we still, well, and here's the weird thing for me. There's, yeah. there's not been any chatter of European interest. If there is, and it hasn't Tom happened. has some insider information, then yeah, great. We can think about that. Mm-hmm. But, but it's hard to picture a, like a team of any import in Europe wanting to pick up Ochoa for anything substantial right now. Yeah. Well, I kind of disagree, but that's kind of the the part of me that's just like, I, there are definitely teams in Europe, whether they're like Real Madrid yeah. or whatever. Like, like would he that's the rather kind of, yeah, go is to, there are definitely teams yeah, in Europe who would be happy to have David Ochoa. Oh, yeah, yeah. But would he rather, teams, if, right? if like, David were choosing, we should see if David wants to come on and we can just talk to him because that'd be, this would be, that'd be, this would be, <laughs> that'd be a pretty funny like first player to be on the show. But I would genuinely ask him, like if, if the chance came up and you were all, you could play at Chivas in Mexico right now, or a lower table Premier League team, what would you pick? Or a lower table, mid to lower table uh, La Liga team, what would you pick? Like if you had the choice between the two of those. Like it's not outlandish to think that he would pick Chivas at this point. And and the other part of what Tom was saying that, and I don't want to pick on Tom here, but the thing that didn't make sense to me was that he was like, we could sell them to Europe for millions. You could sell them to Mexico for millions too. Yeah, they have a it's lot of like money. It's not like Mexico is like they've got a lot of money. <laughs> Look at They're all the sponsors on their players. jerseys. 
That's like, why they got so many sponsors on their jerseys. They got they got a lot of money to throw around for players. I know. Lot, and like, when you talk about like a goalkeeper, like you're you kind of have a ceiling for how much he's like he's not going to go for sixty million. Yeah, no, like the very not. tippy top to like any league. If he's the best goalkeeper in MLS and he's the Mexican national team goalkeeper, yeah, the most anybody's going to pay is like ten million. Like, yeah, yeah. So I mean, okay, so get, I was talking like yeah. that market is just as good in Mexico for a Mexican national Agreed. team player for as it is in Europe. That's like, key. That's that's we're not losing key. money by selling him to Mexico. Him being, so, and I was talking to someone uh, at the club about uh Ochoa the other day on Friday as I was heading up to Idaho actually and he he said on Ochoa his grandmother passed away it's why he was gone this last week also he was in Oxnard getting a tattoo I don't know like he posted that on his Instagram so he's yeah, been in, he's be been his, in his grandmother was in, in Oxnard, California, I'm pretty sure right? yeah yeah so he's been in California but he said it makes both his grandparents lost in the past couple months should be back for Vancouver when is Vancouver no, this, Sunday. Yeah, this coming Sunday, week. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Do we play? Oh, it's wait. It's this Sunday, right? Correct. Okay. Anyway, so hopefully he plays this Sunday, um, and that's in Vancouver, right? Yeah, BC plays. Yes. Um. Yeah. So should be back in Vancouver. Um. Anyway, so he also said we have to let people go for international call ups after Vancouver game too. FYI, so we'll see if he gets his first Mexico call. So maybe he might get called up to Mexico this very next week. Um, after the Vancouver game. And he also said it's, uh, he's pretty, this person at the club said he's pretty sure that David Ochoa is going to make the world cup roster. Um, and that might've factored in his, his decision to play to pick Mexico. But, um, anyway, so I guess it, we shouldn't be uh, surprised if he gets called up, um, and doesn't play the week after this, which has some interesting implications because, uh, apparently Andrew Putna is our only healthy goalkeeper that would be available at this point, which we'll we have Jeff Dusnip, who's been playing a rail monarchs and is 16 years old. <laughs> he will so, be on the bench soon. Let anyway. me, yeah. Let me ask this question. Cause I know sure. that there's like an extreme hardship rule. Cause Dusnip is a monarchs player. He's not an RSL player, right? No, he is an RSL rostered player. Oh, he is. Okay. All right. Well, then yes. forget the question. Yeah. So we're good. So, um, I know on on the notes we have RSL versus Colorado, and then in parentheses RSL versus Houston. Um, should Ooh, we switch? I have, a, I have a, something switch on uh, oh, Douglas sorry. Martinez actually before we please move forward. Okay. For one thing, I think we need to note here: we've been talking a lot about, I mean, and we being the RSL community at large, about RSL potentially playing with two strikers at some point. Um, oh, are we gonna? Is this gonna be a whole thing? Are you just saying something real quick? Yeah, it'll be real quick. Okay, all right. We never take a long time on anything that should take no time at all. Go um, ahead. Say your thing. It, it, for me, it's kind of a bellwether uh, indicating that we are not going to explore a two-striker system outside of unique circumstances. Uh, because really, Douglas Martinez was our other striker. Uh, we have two now, which is better than it's been, right? Uh, but if we play both Bobby Wood and Rubio Rabin from the start together, we don't really have opportunities to bring somebody on in that same shape to Im- mm. impact the game. Now, maybe that's okay, but I don't know. This is okay. So this is the whole thing that you make a good point about Douglas being gone. Um, and that kind of putting the kibosh in a two striker formation. But yeah. As part of like the RSL community as a whole, one of the big conversations that's gone around is 
the different formations that this team could play in. Oh no. That's what I thought you were going to bring up. And I just no. want to, oh. okay. All right. We okay. did briefly bring that up during the Colorado discussion, but yeah, um, let's, let's do that. But let's quickly talk about Houston. So, um, <laughs> we played Houston at home. We scored through, we came out that game, came out of that game looking really nice in the beginning. Uh, we had, uh, we were just looking pretty sharp. Johnny Menendez forced a really good turnover in the attacking third, set up Bobby Wood, who had a nice little move to get himself uh, clear. And then a 2v1 with Miram on his left against a single center back or maybe a right back. I don't know. Played it to Miram. Miram had his first goal of the season. It was great. Then we watched about 60 minutes of miserable soccer and then finally gave up a header goal on a from a corner in which we continued to do our zonal marking. And <laughs> um, Fafa Pico just jumped over like all of our defenders because they were stagnant. And then he was running in because that's what you do when you do zonal marking. And he won the ball and headed it home. And then we continued to play poorly for a little while, and then we got desperate, and then Anderson Julio came on and scored the game winner in like the 89th minute-ish, I think. 88th is what MLS has recorded. Anderson yeah. Julio was looking looking nice. Um, but that game was another, that basically, all the commentary about the Austin game also applied to that game, I feel like, because Houston is the second worst team in the Western Conference after Austin or before austin they're yeah anyway they're better right they're better than austin by one place uh i feel like everything we said about the austin game probably also applied to that one it felt very similar yeah no you're exactly right it was a really just miserable performance but i think i said this when we talked about the austin game but like at the end of the day we won yeah so like that's that's the point like i know that we all want yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. to watch a team that like plays fluid great awesome soccer that's super entertaining and whatever you want a team that wins especially when your team actually sucks which i think this team there's evidence to suggest that they actually suck but they got two home <laughs> wins in a row like be happy yeah it yeah, that's, that's good. good stuff. Like, and it was yeah, on the most awful, disgusting but... of weather nights. It was the wet campfire game, and yeah. uh, it was it was pretty it rough. Was gross. Um, I would like to see our team to be developing good habits that could potentially lead to us being more competitive against better opponents. But I am happy for the wins. And something that's continually concerning is, especially, I mean, even when we're playing at home, we don't seem to control the game very well. And we give, it seems like our attack seems to be, the plan seems to counter attack in which leaves us vulnerable to counter attacks going the other direction. (laughs) We seem so desperate for goals that we are, that we move so quickly in transition that we set ourselves up to be uh, vulnerable on the other end when we do turn the ball over in transition. And it's, uh, it's really odd. Yeah. And that was pretty much the story of the Colorado game. I felt like. Yes. Well, yeah, we were just countering. They were just countering and we didn't, I mean, we had like moments and times where like we were trying to maintain possession and try to play out the back or, you know, whatever. Yeah. But most of our like chances and there were plenty of them, but most of our chances seem to be coming off the counter. Yes, that is true. Um, but I mean, 
mainly because that appears to be our main uh, plan of attack is to just counter as much as possible, which does sometimes, like in, we saw as we saw in Colorado, uh, lend to a lot of chances. So let's talk about Colorado. Uh, right. This game was in Colorado, um, and it was I, I missed most of the first half. I saw unfortunately most. Well, I saw like I saw like half the first half, and like th- as soon as they get scored the second goal in the second half, I turned it off. Um, yeah, that's fair. Uh, so, so do, you want, do you want me to take us through this? Yes, one? please. Um, so, first thing of note: the first half was uh, pretty dull. Uh, we had some chances. I don't remember if they were great chances. Whatever. Uh, Donnie Toy did pick up a third minute yellow card, which is always a sign that it's going to be fun. Um, although it was not a yellow card heavy game. Uh, the second half starts. This is when things start to get interesting. Uh, we start with a, a goalkeeping substitution. Zach McMath is out. Uh, <laughs> the club describes it as knee soreness. Which, um, which, which Dunny kind of went off on. Like, yeah. Dunny kind of goes off on some things and it's kind of fun, but Dunny went off on that. Yeah. So, what, what did he <laughs> so, say about that? Because I was watching without, I, I was not listening to the game. He I was, was only watching. Just, like, saying without saying that he thought it was kind of BS in a couple of ways. Like, one, yeah. he kind of mentioned that he was saying, or he, what one of the points he was making was that there was a question about um question about it like in the warm-up there was a conversation about whether or not they should start mcmath or putna and he felt like if you're gonna like have that conversation you need to make the decision then and not like burn a sub halfway through the game you need to have a player and a coaching staff and a, and a team doctor that's basically like capable of saying let's just use putna the whole game like McMath's not good to go. You don't really want to burn a sub. You don't want to play a goalkeeper that is possibly just going to have to be subbed later because of an injury that you yeah. know about. It wasn't that like in the game somebody slid into him or or you know he went head to head with somebody or anything like that. It was just he was playing, he was fine, and then all of a sudden at halftime he was like, nope, can't go anymore. That was kind of dumb. Brian didn't really like that, but he also mentioned that over and over that just knee soreness. Like, what does that mean? Yeah. Like, how is that? That's not a good enough description of what was going on, especially <laughs> since the team like knew about it before the game. Like that's oh. not good enough. And and it no, should be not. also mentioned that Bobby Wood was not available for this game. Oh yeah, and, through and, injury. And right? I asked about this. Uh, injury and I, precaution uh, is what I thought we were yeah, told. I said, is Bobby Wood injured? Didn't seem an 18. Hamstring issue. And I said, bummer. And, it, and I got back, nothing to be concerned about, which is good. I mean... Yeah, but that's also Here, the second. That's true. That's also the second time in a row we've been told that exact same thing, and that was like yeah, three so games ago. With that a we show, heard that. Uh, with the show as a reminder, and in, in, in that discussion with Tom, he he let us know that apparently Freddie at one point said that Achoa had a um, regression in his recovery. I didn't see that reported, but I mean, yeah, that's probably true. Um, so. I think, <laughs> but also a, a yeah. regression in his recovery could also mean could, could that he mean went to Mexico to spend time with his family. That's technically a regression yeah. in his recovery. If he wasn't to Which do the, like, this is the problem. Like that's totally fine. The yeah, sto- yeah. The I story think all is, of us would support that. Yeah, the story is that his grandma recently passed away, and he wanted to go spend time with his family, and that's outstanding. Go do that. Obviously, that's a good reason to be away from the team. And yeah. it's not a thing that like 
is ever really hidden by any clubs, any teams in any sports league. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, there's a personal issue this player is dealing with be away from the team for two weeks or whatever it is. That's so much easier to say, especially when, especially when this player in question, David Ochoa is still posting stuff to Instagram still. (laughs) And yeah, it it is, it is confusing cover for people like this. Like this is the problem with the club is this thing happens all the time where it (laughs) seems like they're not telling the whole truth. Yeah. And I I don't know if it's, if it's specifically around because like they're worried that like saying personal reasons might cause too much speculation. But I, I mean, if that is the case, then I would argue that the exact opposite is true. And that like, this causes way more speculation. Uh, oh, of course, you know, saying that he had a minor, like it was precautionary, and then next thing you know, he's been out for like seven games. He's now. been out for five or six games now. Yeah, it's like uh, <laughs> I think the Colorado game was the sixth game that he's missed. Yeah, just say like he's dealing with a family matter in Mexico or California, and he's with his family. Like that's fine. Yep. Anyway, um, and then and then like it's pretty clear what the type of speculation would be about, and it would be hopefully generally pretty respectful. But yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So Colorado game. <laughs> well, yeah, we, so um, McMath got subbed off for Putna, um, yep. and then oh, first half we had. And off, we had a goal that was called oh, back. Yeah. I had forgotten all about VAR. Oh, yeah. With let's, the VAR let's table issues. VAR and talk about that separately because I okay. think it bears some discussion. Okay. So, but, but we I think going into that the halftime scoreless, 0 0. Yeah. Um, comes out second half. Albert scores a beauty from a very nice dribble run pass from Aaron Herrera into the box. And we had Albert uh, and Demir behind him, one in the chamber, ready to take it in case Albert completely missed, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but Albert just smashed it home and it was very nice. So we were up 1-0 and feeling very good. For... All right, this is where the record scratch moment comes in. What happened? Just imagine a good record scratch here. I'm not going to try to make the noise. You could. Are either of you like excellent beatboxers? No, um, but before you do that, no, I'm I'm not going to beatbox. To be clear, no. Let's... Don't turn the podcast off. <sighs> There's something that oh, happens is... right before the record scratch moment, record and scratch. I thought the record scratch moment preceded the goal, but it turns out. Yeah, it followed our goal. No, it followed their goal. Oh, it followed their first one. Yeah. yeah. So 64th minute, uh, Diego Rubio scores a goal. I don't remember what the goal was like. I hated it. Was that the one from a corner or was it the next one? Next one was from the oh, corner, yeah. I think. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he just sort of runs through the midfield uh, into the box, takes the cross to the head and fires at home, right? No hesitation, no concern. Uh, no marking, certainly. Yeah, I need a, I need a reminder of what that second goal looked like, or that first goal. Yeah, it was it was not good. Um, so there there's that. Um, but their first goal was from a corner. Oh, you're right. It, more more of the. Oh, how okay. did Putna not so get that? that? Oh my oh, god! Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, okay. Sorry, I just watched the highlight. What it's, was that? It was the one. So yeah, it goes across, and Diego Rubio heads it back across goal, and yeah he has like a really goofy save i feel like that save should be take a that step or two to the routine, left and right? then jump for it because you have time because it's a really slow oh moving ball 
goodness. But all he did was he just jumped for it and he didn't get there. So this, it, it feels like a player who was not expecting to come into this game, right? Which is yeah. wild considering he could have started this game. Um, and there had to be knowledge that there was an injury concern uh, because yeah. the, the club did say he took a knock or, or Dunny or somebody said that McMath took a knock in, in warmups or something. Um, now, whether that's all of the truth, I don't know. Oh, my um, goodness. So Rubio scores that goal. That one's from a corner then. Yes. Um, and then immediately after doing something good, uh, this is would never fly at RSL. Uh, immediately after you know scoring a goal, putting themselves back in the game, uh, a triple substitution all at once. Um, certainly a risky maneuver, right? Um, you just took out your goal scorer in Diego Rubio, um, taking out a couple key players, putting in interesting players. And that's the record scratch moment, right? Is 65th minute, three changes all at once. They change formations. Uh, and suddenly we look completely lost. Uh, six minutes later, they've scored a goal. And yeah. we're lost from that point. And it's just, it was just Mark Anthony K completely just bodying Aaron Herrera on a cross. Wasn't it that Aaron Herrera was like. He was guarding no one. Um, so Aaron Herrera is kind of just unaware that he was there, wasn't he? He He comes through the midfield unmarked. Yeah, that's right. But yeah, it's just so so maybe it should have been Herrera, but but certainly it's somebody, right? It's it's the same thing. It's like we talked about before. It's just a lack of communication, a lack of awareness. Justin Glad, I'm watching right now. Justin Glad is occupied by somebody else, and then Kay just comes running in, and Herrera is just late to react to it. Yeah. Like nobody's marking him. Yeah. Nobody's marking him. It's not him a tracked before. run. It's essentially just uh, alley ooping Mark Anthony K, who has all the momentum running at us, like a just standing there, Aaron Herrera. Yep. Yeah. So there's the screenshot well, of the thing. it. Like, so it's- Aaron Herrera is not like, again, he's not marking him. He just realizes that he's coming into his space at the same yeah. time that the cross is coming in. So, like, what is Aaron Herrera supposed to do? But I have also, no idea, really. And and he does have that player at the far post to watch, or not the far post, but the beyond the, beyond that, there's one player yeah. on the even more back post. Yeah, it's like I mean, it is a great play. I mean, Mark Anthony K just comes in with like a ton of force, gets just he just a whole lot more effort to get to that ball. It seems, but. yeah, but it it feels like it's like a planned. I don't know if it was, but it felt like it was like a planned play because I feel like at this point, other coaches and Robin Frazier is a smart enough coach to see that. RSL gives up these kinds of goals kind of over a lot and over and over and over. And so it's very easy for him to just say, we're going to be putting crosses into the box and we're going to be having the second guy making the run and you're going to be unmarked because they don't mark runs into the box. So why did we not hire Robin Frazier when we could have? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, I think we had multiple opportunities. Yep. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, Two different times we could have hired Robin Frazier. So Colorado's in Nick- second place with an oh, inferior man. squad. Vastly. Are they second so or third? Nick Beasler in here. I don't know where Nick Beasler is in the screenshot. I don't know. Um, but knows? he is he is our our one defensive midfielder. Oh, he's he's there watching one guy close, right? I'm sorry, Colorado's I- third. My bad. He- oh. But they Shame, have two I games guess. in hand over sporting and oh, Seattle. Man. So 
and one over us. And we're yeah, in but sixth. But. Five <laughs> points behind Seattle and two behind Sporting. Yeah, but with yeah, they could easily be second place here pretty soon. So, so it it feels to me a little like exactly what we found out when we played Demir Krylik deeper in the midfield late in games uh, is exactly the same playing him in the midfield like early in games yeah in that he is not a defensive midfielder well, I don't we think have he... uh, taken all thought of that out of him yeah and maybe he never was right yeah i was gonna say um, i don't think he that was like he was his, a, he was the a, idea this game I mean, when he in germany he was playing like a box-to-box no, role he wasn't it totally he was, was not what was he the lineup, was he playing the, the midfield lineup was uh, Julio, Krylak, Beesler, Menendez, and Rusnak. With Rubin yeah, this up was top. another game of of Krylak next to Beesler as our two, yeah. our two d- more defensive midfielders. Our, I don't know what you want to call those positions. They're not necessarily CDMs. One no, might be one that's kind of a CDM and one who's a center a mid, free like, roll. kind of like yeah, like a box to box kind of. That's what I'm saying. So like that was, I mean, isn't that what Krylock played in Germany? I have so, no idea. Who, who yeah, knows? The big that's difference what I'm here is that it's it's not like a so the box to box role traditionally has strong defensive capabilities and and needs, right? Yeah, yeah. That it's trying to fulfill. Um, and what we see from Krylock is that. He's like stuck further forward, getting involved in play. Yeah. So when we inevitably turn over the ball in a good position, uh, <laughs> he's outside of contention. He's slow. Like we know he's slow and is not going to get back to these. Yeah, but we and, keep putting him in these situations and it, it keeps not working. No, this is, I mean, this is the the thing that we were complaining about. Well, I was complaining about a few weeks ago where like your midfield is Beasler or Everton or Paulo, and then the other five guys are all playing forward, yeah. and that's that's inevitably what happens. And so then once we have to get back on defense, we can't get back on defense because we don't have enough guys getting back. And yeah, no, it, none of them are communicating, right? Yeah, they're not communicating. And when they are back on defense, when Krylak is playing back, he he's not that good of a defender. He's not that good of a defensive midfielder, I don't think. I think he's had – I don't know if he's had that like completely programmed out of him, but he doesn't seem to be playing defense that well when he's being asked to do it. Like he's a body yeah, and, and he gets back and he will occasionally track a guy or, or you know get in front of a guy, but I haven't seen any like defensive highlights from Demir at all this season. Yeah, and and you put him next to like a really great defensive midfielder, and he can probably get away with that, right? Yeah, because you've got cover uh, and a player that can make up for his deficiencies, and that's well, and that, that's like the thing, the joy like, of roster building, when right? You put but we him, don't have that when you put him next to Everton. You know that Everton's going to be there, and he's going to be the destroyer, and he's going to get in the way, and he's going to like he's going to challenge for the ball. He's going to take the ball away, or he's going to intercept it, or, or something. He's going to do something defensively well. And if you have Demir there, like he can contribute. But like I said, I, any like good defensive play in the midfield, like Demir's not been involved in those this season. Everton has, Beasler has, Paolo has, but Demir hasn't really. Like he really is the weak point in that two-man center when midfield. When he's asked to play that position, yeah. When he's asked yeah. to do that, it, it's yeah, really it never weakens looks that good. whole thing. 
Because he he's positionless. Because he like he just is too far forward all the time. Yeah, he just defaults um, to attacking yeah, play. Yeah, I I've, I'm very not. I think we've I think we're past the point of being able to play him there consistently. I, I mean I don't know. He he's he's been involved. I I, I mean. Yeah, he's 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 involved in goals far more with RSL than he was with uh, Union Berlin, which just I think speaks to us playing him in a different position. Um, I, I, I thought he was like a box to box for for them. I mean, he's certainly yeah. just a central midfielder. Um, so I've got transfer market pulled up. Yeah, um, and certainly these numbers are are sometimes a little touch and go. Uh, but they've got him playing in defensive midfield 73 times, central midfield 50 times, attacking midfield 29 times. This is all for Union Berlin. Yeah. Uh, and left midfield once, which cracks me up, actually. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it, just at this point with RSL, we've been playing him. In, I mean, he played striker for us for how many games? Um, he's been I playing attacking midfielder for us for how many games like this yeah. is the exception now with his in his time with rsl yeah so i'm just i don't i don't know i don't see him as this he I, I i we can't i don't think we can rely on him as being someone in this position like consistently and i think that this was probably another good example of that and we see it as you mentioned at the end of games when we have five strikers and we've got one midfielder and it's Nick Beasler, and it, we know how this goes. Um, sometimes Anderson Julio scores a nice goal, and sometimes Demir Krylock scores a nice goal from a cross. Or most of the time, it's just lobbing the ball to no one for 30 minutes while we're desperately yep. trying to win a game at home. So, oh, Yeah, so I, I'm inclined to think a lot of this is actually by design, which is the most distressing part of it for me. Yep. Um, and that's just because of what Freddie Juarez said after that game um, and what he repeatedly says and that he repeatedly puts him in these positions. Uh, if, if he's our only option, sure. I guess like I, I can understand um, taking a, a player that maybe isn't as defensively minded giving them defensive responsibilities. Yeah. But it feels like we're taking a player that is more inclined toward attacking and goal scoring um, and telling him, just play your game. And that often feels to me uh, what we're doing is setting them out with minimal instruction. Uh, and maybe that's not true. And maybe we're we're giving them plenty of instruction. Yeah, I... Um, but it feels like that in the way we play, right? Mm. We have our general themes we try to stick to. Okay. We have our, our general strategies, uh, but individual responsibility is up to the individual. I kind of All disagree. Right, Trevor, argue I, with me. I think you're pretty much bang on when it comes to uh, Demir and maybe Rusnak a little bit, but I think pretty much everybody else, like, I don't want to say predictable, but everybody else has tendencies and everybody else has rules and, and roles that they follow. And I mean, Aaron Herrera kind of does the same thing every single game. Donnie yeah, Toya kind of does the same thing every game. <laughs> Rusnak, not, oh. well, I mean, good or bad. It, it's the same thing. We know what we're going to get from Donnie Toya. Paulo and Everton kind of do the same thing every game. And so does Anderson. So does Justin. 
You know what oh, I mean? Wait, was it Paulo? Did he come into the Houston game late? He looked really good that game, I think. Yeah, he was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. But alas, did not play. Yeah. Or did yeah. he play? He didn't play now against uh, Colorado, no. No, That's, we had uh, uh, the goalkeeper sub, which was great. And then we, we had not... Chang and Miriam came in, and then uh, Noah Powder came in for Toya. Why? But anyway, that's Who that's played? what I would say. I think the team yeah. generally has a good idea of what they want to do for the yeah. most part. They have I mean it's it seems like depending on where the ball is, there's one or two methods of attack that the team takes offensively. Oh, that's fair, yeah. And there is some freedom with Demir and with Albert. They're the ones that kind of weave in and out and, and do different things. But more to the point. I do think that's a problem, especially when you're asking Demir to play the role of, say, Paolo or Everton. And but Demir also kind of has free reign to kind of get into the attack and and not like that's you're asking him to, to do to do two different things. And it, it kind of sets him up for failure and it sets the team up for failure because he can't do both of those things. Yeah. Well, this is yeah. really distressing, but let's talk about something even more distressing. <laughs> <laughs> and that's uh, video-assisted refereeing. Uh, yeah. Trevor, talk us through the the two major instances of VAR in this match. So here's the thing. I only specifically remember the first one. Oh, no, I remember. Well, the, first one. the second oh, one was good. just glad. Anyway, uh, the first one, <laughs> was it? No, I said I remembered it, and now I don't remember it. Tell me what happened again. The and, first one was Rubio Rubin scoring a goal uh, that was called back for an offside, I believe. It was offside on the initial ball in, right? They headed it across yes. to Rubio. I think it was I Justin. That's correct. Was it Justin? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's I have, per- I toe. Yeah, but it's it's the offside. The problem with that is the offside versus clear and obvious thing, which is the thing that we've had ever since VAR was a thing. It's the mm-hmm. same beef. Is it a clear and obvious error? And my only real problem with the way that it was handled was, I mean, it's tight. So like you're going to go to VAR. Somebody's going to look at it. Obviously a goal scored. They do that. That makes sense. And the VAR guy says, I think you should look at it. It looked like it was, it might've been offside. I don't think it was clear and obvious. I think that should be up to the AR to make that determination. And if the AR isn't sure, in those cases, I think after the goal is scored, he should be putting his flag up and saying, I'm going to call that offside. We're going to double check it and make sure. You know what I mean? Or yeah. he's not going to call it and VAR is going to look at it and they're going to make that determination. But what bugs me is when they go down to the center ref who doesn't have anything to do with offside decisions 99% of the time. He doesn't. It's not his job. It's not in his job description at all. And they say to him, hey, you need to go look at the monitor and make this determination on something that you don't ever determine in a game. So he mm. goes over and looks at it and then he decides, I guess that it's offside and it might've been, I don't know. They didn't really have great camera angles. We've been told time and again that they have more camera angles in the VAR booth than we do but on we the never TV. Just, yeah. We, yeah. We never see them. They never show them to us. So we kind of have to trust them on that. I know, or I'm, I've heard they don't do the telemetry lines, drawing the lines and like looking at millimeters of space like they did in Premier League for a little bit that pissed everybody off. But if they have better (laughs) angles and they can see and it is offside, great. Like 
good job on getting the call right. The way yeah, that it's handled. Us. Yeah, I, I didn't really like the way that it was handled. I think if he's offside, you should be able to see that from the VAR booth and you should just be able to say, yeah, he's offside. Just call it offside. You don't need a guy to go yeah. over and look at it that doesn't make that determination. That was my only beef with that. But like I said, from what I can see, he might have been offside. So fair enough that they called that one back because that's the whole point of VAR is to get the call right. Yeah. And yep, they, agreed. They, they probably did. We're not probably the best judges of that, but they probably did get it right. So zero zero at this point. Yeah. Uh, we then go on to score a goal. We're up one zero. Go on. And then later in the game, um, we have a possible red card situation. The ball's put into Demir and Demir gets very clearly like horse collared, taken down as the ball's coming in and the referee initially calls a penalty points to the spot mm. and then it goes to VAR. So he goes to look at the monitor and it turns out Demir was this time very clearly offside before the ball was played into him. And this is the thing that I don't know why people don't understand or why this was so complicated. If, if he's offside, everything that happens after that doesn't matter. It's completely right. negated. There's no penalty call. There's no foul. There's no anything. The only time, and this is where people were kind of getting confused, is I think Dunny said on the broadcast, like, unless there's violent conduct or unless there's, you know, right, which serious foul play, then there could be a red card. But that's not a red card foul in any league in the world. What happened? It's just a foul. No. It wasn't violent conduct. It could, it, it wasn't dog so. Like, it's just it a foul. Might not have even been a yellow, right? No, I, I don't think it was a yellow even like a little bit. It's just a foul. It's a guy trying to keep a guy from getting to the ball. If that happens in the middle of the field, they put the ball down, they play, nobody complains. It's just yeah. a foul. But because it's offside and he clearly was offside, everything not that happens close, after that. Right? Yeah, like he was a solid foot. That was not like a clear and obvious, maybe we should double check. Like he was offside. And so once he's offside, whatever foul occurs after that doesn't matter. So again, VAR maybe screws RSL there, but it doesn't because they got the call right, which again is the whole point of instant replay. That's why every league now has a version of it. They want to get the call right. That's what everybody wants. And that's what the, that's what happened. So agreed. I, I don't understand what the. I mean, I do from RSL fans. I get what the beef is with it, but if they're getting the call right, like they're getting the call right. You can't get mad at them for getting the call right. That's literally their job. That's what we ask them to do. Yeah. And I, I think I understand like feeling anger about that as a fan, like being a fan is hardly a rational act in yeah. the first place. And, uh, you know, sometimes we get mad at things we have no control over. Yeah. That's and kind of the whole point of being like a, a lover right. of the game. Yeah, and it, it's a bummer that we get a goal taken away, and then it's a bummer that we get a penalty taken away. But like I said, at the end of the day, if the call's right, the call's right. Like, Yep. So here's one person who disagrees with you. Okay. And that's one uh, Federico Juarez, Real Salt Lake coach. Okay. Uh, what and he here's, have to say here's about what it? he says. Um, so these are his comments initi- immediately after the game in his on-field interview. Uh, standard procedure. All right. So uh, it starts with great display from our guys. I thought we fought hard, played well. I'm upset right. Oh, I forgot a word there right now because the goal we scored taken. I really screwed up typing this on the fly. Um, I'm upset right now because the goal we scored was taken away 
or the goal we scored that was taken away wasn't clear and obvious. In a game like this, you've got to have better officiating. They're giving it their all. That's why I'm upset. They gave me, they they gave everything. They were brave. We played some decent football in moments. (laughs) In moments. moments. Great. Uh, It's criminal to take something away from the guys like that. Come on, man. We kept going at them. We had other opportunities. We didn't sit back. We played. Guys got better for this game. And he also says the team's going in the right direction. Which, after loss, um, uh, I, I've got concerns. I don't know. Oh, what do you, I, I tweeted about this a lot. Trevor's just dropped off. Oh, that's uh, okay. Let's pause. Technical difficulties aside, um, <laughs> Trevor, Kyle, what do you guys think of, of Freddie Wars's quotes? A lot less heated because we took a break because. Trevor's computer died. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So there's a real like disparity yeah, Trevor, in the way. What I do you think about that, about that quote? Um, he said kind of, I was going to say, he said kind of what I said. No, he mentioned the, the clear and obvious thing, which like I said, is, is the only real beef you can have with that first one. Um, but that's the debate we've been having with VAR since the beginning of VAR right. is like, what does clear and obvious mean? And, and is the goal to get the call right or what? yeah and that's that's the debate like if is offside really offside anymore is offside like how offside is offside and the way that the laws are written like it's not really subjective like you're either offside or you aren't you know what i mean and if we have the camera angles to look at it like does clear and obvious like apply to offside decisions should it apply to offside decisions should it take like if they take more than 90 seconds to look at it should it just be wiped off and because that doesn't count as clear and obvious. Like those are all the questions, and I, I get why Freddie goes to that and has a beef with that. But at the end of the day, wh- wh- what minute did that happen? When did we? When did we have the goal taken off? We were we were at one zero at that point for the second VAR instance. Oh no! For the no, first for the one, first we one. Were, it was it was zero zero. We later went up one zero. Okay, so it was pre it was it was like in the first half wasn't it yeah okay it was so this is again i I think i've said this before on previous podcasts you can't get mad at the referees for something that happens that early in the game you're literally responding to he's literally responding meet moments after the game ends in which you gave up two goals after being up one like the Mm -hmm. fault wasn't something that happened before you even scored your real first goal in the second half like you're he's referring to something as you're saying trevor to something that happened so early in the game it's like yeah like you get to respond to that (laughs) what's the word i'm looking for that event whatever when the referee takes that goal away you get to respond to that you have plenty of time to respond to that go back and score another goal you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you don't get to say, yeah. oh, we got a goal taken away from us in the 30th minute. So what could we do? We only yeah, had it, 60 it, minutes to score more goals or to not let them score two goals. Yeah. The only time I don't really care, like I'm fine with, you know, uh, coaches saying the type of thing is like, I guess a good example would be like the Seattle game, right? Where they 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 gave a penalty to Seattle at the, toward the very, like in the last few minutes of that game. That was, I felt, a pretty harsh penalty on Anderson Julio. I think it was Anderson Julio. Um, so, like, that type of thing. But, like, we're talking about a VAR call in the 
freaking 30th minute. <laughs> yeah, and like, it was yeah. the game was still close at that time. You know what I mean? Yeah. <sighs> yeah, yeah, it's just it it's really it's just weak to me to have a coach come out at the end of the game anytime and be like, yeah, the refs, man. We really got screwed. Like that's just a weak thing for a coach to say. Yeah. But it's especially weak for a coach to say that after something that happened like basically in the first <laughs> quarter of the game like yeah you don't get you don't you just don't get to do that you don't get to get off the hook that easy and it's not like there were other like it wasn't a series of instances of of weird refereeing or right yeah, no, things it was, being missed like it was a well refereed game overall it was fine and if your concern is var like that's pretty good i think yeah and like i said var is just one of the things that like some people love and some people hate but it's not really going away and just like all the other rules you've got to learn to deal with them you know some coaches and some teams like just to use another example like the five sub rule there's been coaches in other leagues who have said that like they don't like it and like it hurts the game and it, it doesn't whatever they have all their reasons but at the end of the day like that's the rule now so like yeah. either figure it out or don't but that's how the game is played so you don't get to complain about it when it's been this and way for as long as it has yeah it's not the first season that that var has been in place so. no it's not if it was you'd have a pretty good argument yeah or at least an argument and if so, your if your beef is with var like again that's fine you don't have to like it but you don't get to use that as an excuse when you lose the game <laughs> Yeah. yeah. If you don't like, yeah, if if you don't like it, you don't have to be a coach in the league that's going to keep using it. Yeah. Like huh. So my bigger concern with his comments. So so that aside, I think blaming the referee here misses the mark. Um and I think he probably just ate a not insubstantial fine. I don't imagine that Freddie Wise is paid like overly well. Uh, given his contract was structured under Deloy Hansen. Well, but I think we know he was the cheaper option, right? Don't, um, this might be other leagues that do it this way, but don't they fine him like a percentage of the salary rather than just like a flat fine? Yeah. Probably. MLS is not clear, but that I'd imagine that's the case. I mean, they've never come out and been, I'd especially don't. with the disparity of like player salaries in this league. Yeah. You have to think that they do it that way. And I don't think yeah, they ever really come find... out and said how much they find people for talking about referees unless it was like an owner i think they've said that they find owners like ten thousand or twenty thousand or whatever it is but yeah i don't pour a million for talking about you you know union busting yeah but when you as a coach when a coach gets fined it's always like an undisclosed amount so i don't i can't imagine that it's a debilitating amount yeah um so so i i I hope this fine is uh, something he's willing to accept uh, because he certainly put himself in that situation. The bigger concern I have is that his upset is at the referee, not at like any of the proceedings of the game. So he's held on for 60 minutes to that, like that yeah. anger about that <laughs> yeah. and completely missed that. We like, like we've been saying, gave up two weak goals against, you know, our, our rival quotes, uh, it's exhausting um, but, because we, we played well in, I mean, he said we played some decent football in moments. That's not the sign of a team that's playing well, right? You don't praise a t- team that you think has played well for the game by saying they played decently in moments. 
And certainly like decent football has, has a different meaning than the words decent and football separate. Right. We know that. Yeah. But also um, still, we didn't really, I mean, that's kind of up for debate. We but scored a good goal. <laughs> yes. Well, we scored two good goals, I guess. I but, guess. <laughs> no, I mean, that's the thing. He's got this thing where he says that we play decent soccer every time we lose a game. And I don't know that I'm agreeing with them anymore. <laughs> but besides that, like, I, I want to ask you guys, like, how much do you think that a, how, what's the possibility of Freddie just doing this for like bulletin board material or as something to like get his team fired up or anything like that? Is, is Freddie that kind of coach that would use the media in a way to distract fans or to inspire the players no in some way? I, I take the eye on himself, right? He has to know that – like he, he knows that we're not playing well. So, so I, I, I don't know. Like if he genuinely believes this team – like things are trending in the right direction, I, I just have no idea. Like this is – this is what I'm worried about about that. I think he thinks we're playing well because players are doing what they're asked. They're that, playing a system that he's putting forward. I think the problem is just that it's not a winning system. It's a system that's pretty easily found out and is losing us games that we shouldn't be losing. But at the end of the day, like the players yeah. are doing what they're asked. So we're literally doing good. every answer to that question is, is bad. Like I, I honestly yeah. like, he keeps saying these things and it either means he's just lying <laughs> to us because <laughs> he's, if he's lying to us, then it's, it's either for his own benefit to, or to protect the players. And I, I, I don't know. Is it a morale thing? I, I don't know. That's not, that's not a great thing either. Cause we know that players have been getting frustrated. Like we saw Albert like get incredibly not stoked about, you know, tactics or whatever that, that one game so well, we saw i mean aaron did kind of the same thing and i think yeah. justin said the same thing in the colorado game not saying yeah. the same thing but they they i think it was the colorado game at halftime they talked to justin and he was basically like we're not good enough we're not playing good enough this isn't yep. working we're not doing the things that we should be doing we need to be oh, doing way better and i think it was nick beasler during the houston game did he say that at halftime during Houston? I, I think know, it was but, Justin Miram at halftime against oh, it was, Houston. It was Justin Miram. Sorry. Yeah. 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 But there's, there's right. definitely a trend of players when they get in front of a microphone being frustrated about the way that we're playing. Yeah. And so the it's coach like, not echoing that. <laughs> right. So it's weird to hear something completely different from the coach at the end of the game than we hear from the players. So if he's doing it to protect the players, then that's certainly not working because um, they don't want that protection i think they'd rather be honest with what's going on if he's doing it to protect himself then okay <laughs> i guess yeah, yeah um or if he genuinely which i i honestly hope that he's just lying and doing it to protect himself because if he genuinely thinks that this is like anything that we've seen is acceptable other than like you know a, a good result against two of the worst team two the two worst teams in the western conference um like if he thinks anything else is good other than that, then I don't, I have no idea like what to think then. So and here's it, one of my concerns I have here is that he's, so when, when things have gone poorly and people have brought up stats in relation to that, he has uh, dismissed stats almost entirely. Right. When things are going poorly, but some stats are in his favor, 
he has talked positively about those stats. Yeah. Meaning he's paying attention to those, right? He knows we oh, took well, 17 he, shots, six on goal, five block shots, right? Of course, because like he's not actually an idiot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's not a coach, I think, at this level that doesn't know those things and isn't tracking those things. I, I don't know that they have an assistant coach sitting there going, you know, making a tally for every shot and shot on goal and chance created, you know, and like tracking it in live time. But I imagine, you know, there's somebody keeping track of it during the game. Any coach that says that like they don't look at stats or believe stats or, you know, the, talk down about analytics or whatever, like they got to be using that iPad for something. They are for sure. <laughs> just playing to the crowd at that point like they're how much they actually use it is probably up for debate but there's no way that they don't have somebody on staff that's saying oh yeah this guy creates a lot of chances in this scenario we should try to recreate that as much as possible and whether yeah. the coach like believes that or listens to it like sure but there's especially with basic stuff like possession and shots and like shots on goal like they know and anytime they go up there and they're like oh well you know that doesn't really tell the story of the game like they're just feeding you their own lines, their own narrative. And it's just most of the time, pretty obviously not the case. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> this is exhausting. Um, it is. It's it's not ideal. So so taking a, a slight departure from this, because I we could certainly continue treading this territory, but I don't think it adds anything to what we've already dis- no, discussed. Really. Right. We're just getting mad at the same things over and over. Yeah, <laughs> which is it, it's the season for that, I guess. Yeah, I guess because um, we keep being told the same things over and over. So, yeah. Um, one interesting stat I did see from American Soccer Analysis, um, who has an interactive table that's really great to play with and see some interesting stats, is looking at uh, teams across the league and their goal difference uh, in comparison to their expected goal difference which expected goal difference is just the expected goals for and the expected goals against. Is this what Um, that like chart was? uh, This is not. So goals added and it's very confusing. Yeah, goals added is like another level beyond expected goals. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, So we have the highest goal difference minus our expected goal difference in the league, meaning we're overperforming our expected goal difference by 11 goals, which, uh, I mean, I, so I'm, I'm big on stats, right? We know this. Um, Are you? I think they're interesting. I mean, I like okay. to pretend I am. <laughs> no Trevor Brady not. here, but yeah. Um, but the interesting thing about that, uh, is that we are not overperforming our points by much. Uh, we have two more points than our expected points, which takes the expected goals and the expected goals against for each game and creates a you know a win or a loss out of those. So we're overperforming and we're simultaneously not overperforming in results, and it's very confusing to me, and I don't really know what to make of it. Um, Does that know. just mean our defense sucks? No, it, like- means, it means I think. The best explanation that I I can cobble together from all of it is that we're kind of what we know. Like we're a good team at times, but when we're a bad team, like it's at the worst times, you know what I mean? Like we give up goals at the worst time we give up. um, 
Yeah, basically that's it. Like we, we just give up goals at really inopportune times. It's the thing that like Dunny has been saying all year, like we're turning wins into draws and draws into losses with yeah. just giving up goals at really bad times or just not responding to changes that teams are making that like I mean, we should be responding Charles to. Charles himself like always tweets out like the our goal differential for a second half in particular the second half in particular. Yeah, and this that's and the it, other it, side of the, you know, the he coin. He tweeted it out right right before we scored our first goal <laughs> uh in Colorado and then so that slightly got better. He's like, "Oh, nice." And then that was immediately went down by another because we gave up two in the second half like that's what we do that's what this team does we yeah. give up second half goals that's one of the things that charles does that i i love is he tracks like when goals are scored and like for the first 75 minutes of the game i don't know what the numbers are i'm gonna make stuff up but our goal differential is really it's probably good. like si- for 60 minutes i would think for yeah for 60 60 75 minutes it's pretty good it's definitely positive but then once you get into the last 15 minutes of the game it's like negative 10 or some garbage like that part of the game we are absolutely terrible and obviously that's like the most important part of the game so i I really think it's just a matter of you can talk about expected goals and expected goals allowed but when you're giving up all your goals at the end of the game and you're scoring all your goals in the first part of the game like yeah, you're winning the first half, but you're super losing second halves all the time. And that's yep. really, really bad for points. Yeah. Um, interestingly, uh, so we're top in the league in goal difference minus our expected goal difference. Uh, right behind us is New England Revolution, uh, who are kind of are at uh, 10.2. Yeah, uh, but is, I want to talk about the other side of it this uh, is, really quick. And that's that uh-huh. LAFC... Uh, their goal difference minus expected goal difference is negative 19.72. Their expected goals for on the season is 34.3 and they've scored 24. Yeah, that's really bad. Their goals against is 28. They're expected to have scored 18 or have conceded 18.5. So I just, I just really love that image and it just brings me so much delight. this This is the thing about that kind of the chart we looked at but all the other charts that people put together of like this is where a team should be for expected goals and like this means the team has a good defense good attack you know like any of those like x y axis charts where they plot the whole league new england is always in the like super lucky good attack good defense part of those charts and we're not even though like we have not similar numbers to new england but like like you said like we're close but we're in the completely opposite part of the chart yeah every single time they put those together we're not anywhere near new england probably because they're good and we're not well yeah like i said that's that's what i'm saying like we should be all the numbers say the expected numbers say that we should be a much better team than we are but we're not and it's just that's really annoying that we're not taking advantage of that kind of stuff yeah like I said, I, I think, being an idiot, that it's just down to when we're allowing goals. I don't know that much about so expected too. goals, but I feel like we just choose to give goals. I don't stupid think goals there's been the like, time. I don't think there's been like inaccurate myth building around players on this team or anything like that. Like, I think we're all, at least on this podcast, pretty 
aware of what we have, the players we have on this roster, and I just don't think that the results match what the team that we have. Like, I just don't see it. And I'm not tr- trying to inflate the talent we have in any way, but I just... I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't buy it. I, I just think we we are a better team than what we see week in and out. I mean, up. I agree for sure with that. However, are we better for sure than L.A., Colorado, Sporting, or Seattle? Could I mean? Could Not we be better? I think. I think we could be better than Colorado. I, I honestly yeah. think like if Robin Frazier is our coach right now, I think we're better than Colorado. Right, I genuinely. I'm, yeah. That. I mean, so I'm not uh, talking theoretically. I mean, this team, yes, we're I'm, performing like, this at, team, as, as good as we actually are up to our talent if, level. If, yeah. If we had a coach that was able to get the most out of every single one of our players, which I, I know is a lot to ask. That's not something that happens with coaches generally, but say that, you know, I mean, if, if uh, half of those home results early on go our way, like we're in the top four pretty solidly in the West, right? And I don't know, like with a, see, it, it, it just, I, I just, I'm just not convinced that we aren't a better team with like an experienced coach that can get the most yeah. out of his players. I, that's no, that's sure. really what it comes down to. I guess for me. What I'm saying, the point I'm trying to make is with the talent level that we have on this team, I think we are probably bottom of the playoff picture. You know, we're in spots five, six, and seven in the Western Conference. And that's kind of where we've been for most of the season. You know what I mean? So, like, there's part of me that totally agrees. Like, we should be a better team than we are. But also, at the end of the day, like, I think we are the team that we are. The results... I mean, right now where we're at, we're sixth in the West, just above San Jose. And I mean, that kind of tracks. I think we're about the same team as San Jose. We're probably, (laughs) I mean, no, that's not a good thing, but we're definitely not better than Seattle sporting. We're not better than this version of Colorado under Robin Frazier. And we're probably not better than LA. And we, we might be as good as Minnesota. Maybe, but we, they're probably better than us too. You know what I mean? Maybe. Well, but like, together. I mean, those are the, better than us. Those are the like, teams that we're competing us. against. Right. But if are we better than Colorado in which they're coached by Freddie Juarez and we're coached by Robin Frazier? I don't, I think no. we're higher in the standings than they are. That's what I'm saying. I, like, I agree. But if, just if, this if, team if with this coach. coaches, if everyone is being coached by the same guy <laughs> like, yeah. every team has been coached <laughs> by the exact same guy and if this is all being simulated then i just like i i would expect i don't know i i, I would expect better results but for sure i could be wrong who knows maybe we're just doomed to this purgatory forever regardless of who's our coach but yeah i think um, you're right yeah and maybe we'll just never have an owner or maybe our own owners are going to oh. be um just you know, a bunch of like Bitcoin psychos or something. And oh, they're going to, they're going to NFT our players. And <laughs> next thing you know, we're going to have a Han Solo, like carbon, um, like uh, human statue of Demir Krylock being put up in someone's front room when he dies, or I guess that would contribute to his death. But in any case, somebody <laughs> is going to be, uh, you know, very, 
very happy to have it's it's like midnight sorry i'm a little delirious <laughs> but i'm just i'm just picturing a crypto based uh league which i think is this league's future unfortunately yeah so. all right we should probably start wrapping up uh yeah. anything to say about our upcoming match against vancouver uh we should win yeah we better <laughs> it is I in mean, vancouver it is in vancouver so, so like good. we get a little bit of a leash if we don't win but vancouver is bad has been bad kind of all year yeah not really yeah. showing any signs of changing that trajectory in the west or third to last in the west they're just below la dallas is just below them <laughs> but dallas is how like is so bad how did we not be L- oh, whatever i that's the question that has been on my mind all season they have a good coach yeah. they have good players they have a good team right. what's wrong with them i don't really understand <laughs> no idea I think Contract it's honestly, years, I, guess. I think Walker Zimmerman being off that team isn't yeah. like the only reason that they're this bad, but I think that was a huge part of it. Yeah. Them trading away. Their- maybe Carlos Vela just is back to not wanting to play soccer anymore, but yeah, good who man. knows? Made his millions. Can we, sure. can we get Diego Rossi on this team? What, like um, that? RSL? Yeah, sure. Let's take him. We should trade. We should buy Corey Baird back and then trade <laughs> him for Diego Rossi. That oh yeah, seems like a fair deal. Yeah, it's might might just work. I think so. On too. that note, uh, I suppose we we should call it a night. So sounds nice. Good Vancouver night. just beat LAFC in their last game. Oh, <laughs> so we. Oh boy. Maybe they are a good team. Who knows. But LAF, LAFC are bad, though, so I don't know. But we lost to them. So LAFC had an expected goal. This is, we're getting in the weeds here. LAFC had an XG of 3.12 against Vancouver. <laughs> Vancouver had an XG of 1.81. And the game ended 2 Pretty to good. 1. How does LAFC not score? I don't get it. But it had like, tw- even the goals that, the goal that Carlos Vela scored against us or whatever. And the Diego Rossi one had a, probably both of those had extremely low XG. <laughs> they scored their Carlos one Vela goal. shot was ridiculous. They scored their one goal against Vancouver on a penalty. Oh, oh, what? Yeah, they had 24 total shots, seven of which were on target. Those are RSL numbers. That's pretty that fascinating. That what is, somebody should lot. study the LAFC this year. That's maybe they're doing one of those uh, Amazon Prime documentaries. That's oh, right. I hope so. All or nothing is that what it's called? Yeah, uh, all or nothing. Uh, Will Ferrell. Matt, you would know this. Isn't Ars- Arsenal oh. doing that this year? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, good night, guys. All right. Good night. <laughs> uh, good it's, night. Uh, Bye. It has has been something of a pleasure. So it has good been. Good night. <laughs>